This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio. Preview podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast. I'm your host Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk. Remember me? And we're back to build you up to our trip to King Power Stadium for our clash against Leicester City. Tonight I'm joined by Hambo and Tom. And before we sink our teeth into the weekend's match, we'll take a look at the last ditch win against Watford. I'm still buzzing two days later. As always, before all of that, head over to hrlradio.net forward slash subscribe ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yes, I am I'm back, guys. I'm, Hooray! Hooray. Um, who, are you, who are you? I'm not I'm not 100%. I had my wisdom teeth out yesterday morning, so if my voice sounds a bit strange, that would be why. It's yeah. weird. I, I can feel the stitches like in my gum like just sort of yeah. dangling out. Yeah, I've been there. Not not fun. I've still got my wisdom teeth on. No problems. Thanks very much. Well, you need it to chill that extra food you eat, mate. That's, that's a dig in it. That's, that's, oh. well. oh, that's bad considering how sick I feel from eating too much food today as well. That's really quite. <laughs> <laughs> that really hurts. Um, well, if anybody listened to the uh, Podvent calendar podcast for the 14th of December, you will hear a lot about my journeys on my honeymoon and watching Palace in Minnesota. So I won't go into that. Um, but what, it has been pointed out that since I've been away and the preview podcasts have been done by other members of the team, we didn't lose a game. So this oh. is the first one back since um, we haven't lost a game. Am I unlucky, Chris? Uh, yeah, almost certainly, yes. Uh, well, it's it's been incredible, an incredible run of form, really. You know, and, and you know, Nav and I have been doing our best by eating mutton rolls before games to get wins. I think he put up our statistics the other day. I think we we're uh, out of ten. I think we're nine wins and one draw. We're both here and I have eaten mutton rolls the the week before it. So, so where do you uh, go and eat mutton rolls? So there's a shop. There's a, a shop in Crawley called Dosa Club. Club. Oh, no, you said that right, Dosa Club, and um. 
it's it's it, you know to look at it it's just a shop at a parade you know you wouldn't think to go they're, in they're there. not going to sponsor you mate you don't need to hang on <laughs> wish they would if i had free mind you if i had free hours i'd be dead in a week but um but no i nav occasionally works in crawley it's always good to uh to meet him for lunch and I, I dragged him there the first time we met for lunch and it's all the only place we've ever gone it's uh glorious food if you like your you like spicy food it's, it's just fantastic well, I'm, um, I bumped into uh, Chris Walters on the train yesterday on my way to have my teeth out, who is um, the head of the Palace Supporters Trust, and he lives just around the corner from me. So when we start meeting for beers, we'll log our record to see how we do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a competing thing going on. It'll be good. Hopefully it's better than my preview podcast record. So, um, <laughs> we, have, we have won games when you've done preview podcasts, right? That has happened, right? Last season, yeah. Yeah, okay, obviously. <laughs> but just not not so many this season because obviously um, the first game that uh, we didn't do a preview podcast for was the Chelsea game, which is our first win of the season, and that was um, because of technical difficulties with Skype. And then um, then I went away and we won against Stoke. We didn't lose against West Brom and Brighton, and then obviously we don't preview podcasts for the midweek games, so. Um... <laughs> We won against I'm, Watford. <laughs> I really, I fear for you if Leicester beat us. That's all I'm well, going to say. I, I, it's harsh though because Leicester are in great form, so it's just going to be coincidence if we do lose to them. But um, uh, well. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, right, uh, we'll take a little break, and then when we get back, we'll talk about making Watford fans cry again. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, so Tom, you what you weren't at the game on Tuesday night, were you? Um, That's correct. Yes. Talk, talking about bad records, um, <laughs> you've you've only been to not been to two home games this season. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, I uh, I had to do a, a work shift on the weekend on Saturday of the Stoke game. Obviously, we won that with a last minute goal. And uh, Tuesday was my my younger sister's birthday, so we're out for a family meal and uh, pop out full time and see we've also won with a. A last minute goal. So, Chris, what does this tell you? It's a quite an obvious one, isn't it? Tom stopped going to games immediately. Um, yeah, and then we'll be safe, right? It reminds me of um, a guy who stands next to me at Palace called Dave. Um, he went off early for a beer at half time against uh, Bournemouth and missed the three goals just before the break. <laughs> oh, wow. And then he left five minutes early before the end of the Watford game last night or Tuesday night and missed the two goals there. So, um, it's, Can you just lock him in the toilet in the grounds? Would that yeah, not be the... That's what we're saying. We've got, just got to get rid of him somehow. We're just like, after five minutes into the game, get him out and see what happens. <laughs> um, right, so uh, we'll, fo- we'll focus on this a bit more, Chris, and Tom can listen and marvel at the comeback that was. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to get the, I want to get the bad things out of the way first because it wasn't a tremendous performance by any means, um, and most of that I'm putting down to the formation is still really annoying me. Not not so much the formation maybe, just the positioning of the players. Yeah. Um, I'm Loftus Cheek not tracking Jan Matt, whether it was just oh, whether it was just out of him not realizing that he should have done it or just unwillingness to track back that far, but. Is is this going to be one of the final nails in the coffin for this playing Ruben Loftus cheek out wide right? I mean, I hope so because, well, obviously that, that was wide left that time, wasn't it? But I, I really do hope so because um, what what I think it is is I think 
it shows you how his his mind is on going forward, right? So he has tracked him to a point, but he's seen the ball go in the box, and it's kind of, you can kind of almost you know as obviously it's gone over the other side and ended up ended up with Richarlison, isn't it? Richarlison, how do I don't know, don't know. Um, but it's ended up over that side. But basically, because the ball's gone in, you can see him switch off. If you watch his body language, he immediately switches off and thinks right well that's my defending done the ball's over there now it's either going to get cleared or you know something else will happen but my my job's done and then he starts thinking about what to do with going forward so he get sort of walks off into a sort of tucks inside if you like to sort of a wide left center midfield kind of position ready to see if the ball's going to get cleared but of course that the job wasn't done and that's what he's either got to learn that the, mm. when the job's not done or we've got to understand that he's not suitable for that position because that's why Roy plays him there you know, it narrows the midfield and um, and it also protects the fullbacks. Uh, but if he's not doing that and a fullback can get forward and get a free header, then then really negates the whole point of the, the formation and, and the selection. Yeah, because I think, you know, if you're moving Zaha out left, it's it's not necessarily like Wilfred Zaha is going to make that tracking run. But it's is Jan Matt there in the first place because he has to worry about Zaha's counter-attacking ability. So it's whether he actually gets in there. So it's just twofold really why um, having Zaha there is such a bonus versus having Loftus-Cheek who you know perhaps doesn't have the pace yeah it's, it's odd as well because there's been a noticeable shift in the last two games for Wilf dropping out wide mm. um, you know rather than just sort of trying to buzz around Benteke in all sorts of places he is predominantly drifting left and, I, and I've heard that the team have been working on that but like you say it you know, it's it's cost us a goal the fact that we've set up that way. And you're you're absolutely right. I don't think Jan Matt leaves Wilfred Zaha up there on his own. I really don't. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, <laughs> I guess the next talking point after the first Watford goal is the tremendous miss by Troy Deeney. Um, it wasn't lost on me that it wasn't in the goal that he scored the own goal last season. <laughs> um, <laughs> now it, it's. From the replays, I've not really been able to see if Dan gets a touch on it or not. Um, he might do enough to put him off, but um, he's got to put that away, hasn't he? Yeah, look, I mean, first of all, it's glorious that it's Deeney missing that. He's got such an attitude about him. Uh, and he's clearly a player on the decline as well. I think even Watford fans will tell you that. He's starting, saw a few of them talking after games and he's starting to ruin his legacy by the fact that he's, he's just not the player he was. You know, the stuff he said when he played against Arsenal was just as funny as I sort of found it. It was... You know, it just doesn't show him in a particularly good light. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the question over whether Dan gets a touch or not, I think the, the key thing is Dan gets very close to getting a touch if he doesn't touch it. And Deeney hasn't set himself. Yeah. But but you also look and it's it's a terrible miss. It just really <laughs> is terrible. It doesn't really matter because, you know, if he's watching it and he's getting, getting himself set like, a, you know, a Premier League striker should, it doesn't do that whether Dan touches it or not. It's not that that quick to react. You, you know, you anticipated the ball getting to you in that position. Otherwise, what's the point being there? So we got massively out of jail, but but you know, it, it was well, it was just hilarious. It really is. It's it's just one of the misses of the season, and, and I'm so glad. Yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic win from Ricarlison, and he he looked quite the prospect. Um, probably probably faded out the game a bit towards the end. Um, but do you, do you think they've got much hope of keeping him past this season? No, absolutely not. I think he's a very very special talent, isn't he? I think he's only twenty. Um, 
and uh, you know already all the rumours about people sort of watching him and you know the, the sort of top six. I think he's got a bit to do before he's the, the the finished article, but you know you can you can see there's something very very special about him. Um, you know at this point in time he's raw, so he, he you know the chance uh, that he I, I say missed. You know Julian's done brilliant to get out and save it, but you, I've seen it in other games where he's missed some quite glaring opportunities and. Um, but his delivery, his technique, his pace, but importantly, perhaps something that's not always appreciated uh, in, in you know in Brazilian imports is the strength. Mm. You know, he's he's incredibly powerful despite not looking like he's going to be, and a real prospect. Yeah, you can um, specifically remember him holding off Timothy Fosu Mensa with ease and getting in behind him after, you know, giving him a bit of a shoulder. So um, yeah, it was definitely an impressive part of his game. Um, you touched on the Spironi save there, as it seemed kind of innocuous at the time, didn't it? Yeah, really did. Because <laughs> um, uh, just you know, we never looked like scoring a goal, as we know didn't have a shot on target until the Sacco missed the one before he scored. And um, yeah, it was a big save at that stage of the game. It turns out it was it's huge. But Jules does that; he makes saves. And you know, I've said it before on the show a number of times. You know, I will I will put my hands up and say he's not the keeper he was. You know, um, I, I don't. I just have so much more confidence in him than, than Wayne Hennessy to to pull something like that out of the bag. You know, there's been question marks over him being beaten. Um, you know, with you look at the uh, the Defoe chance, there was still a, a sort of one wonder goal, and there was still a few people saying, "Does a taller keeper save it?" Well, not if that taller keeper is Wayne Hennessy. He doesn't know. But I think whatever, whatever question marks anyone has over over Julian Speroni, he is still at this level capable of making saves that that keep us in games and and you know that save is as important as scoring a goal at that point because it's one on one and he's he's brilliant to get in that position and get get down to it so quickly yeah i mean if, if hennessy's in goal i think the foe just drills it at his legs anyway and scores so um <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> sorry wayne i don't mean it um next one is got so obviously at one point in the summer steve parish said that we hadn't approached Silver and Silver's team said they had or whatever. There was some sort of something happened but something didn't happen kind of thing and watching Watford play for large chunks of that game it reminded me a lot of us under Pardew when we were playing well under Pardew um, so do you think Silver could have done a good job with us? I do I think he'd have been very good for us but I've done a bit, little bit of research on Silver and how he's been getting on at Watford because obviously from so as a way when you're looking at other teams rather than experiencing it yourself you tend to have a very, should we say, you know, your your most your opinions based on highlights, effectively. So, and they've had a lot of highlights um, in yeah. in their season so far. But you don't see the bad things. You don't see the the things that the bug other people. And a lot of their fans call him a bit of a one trick pony. That he has a system that's over reliant on on certain players, which I think is unfair to criticise for that because every team down at our level is reliant on their star their star players to get get them results, but. You know he's he's a very good manager, and I think we certainly wouldn't started the season the way we did if we had him in place. And, and you know the, the report was that by the time we actually started talking to him, he'd pretty much agreed to join Watford. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. I've heard some people say that Silver was off our you know our first choice uh, when we went out to look, but we took our time with that, and um, we ended up where we are. And I wouldn't say I'm, I'm necessarily disappointed in that because I think we've seen. At Sellers Park, two of well, two performances 
where that, that show the weaknesses in Silver and how he sets up a team. You know, we saw Hull absolutely fall apart at Sellers when the pressure was down, and um, and we've seen a sort of should we say indiscipline from Watford that, that cost them the game. Not just about cleverly, but in in general they were a very physical side and. and the referee bought into it for long periods of the game. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have been too happy watching a team that does that, which is weird considering I've criticised us for being a bit too nice. But <laughs> there is there is a balance, you know. There's so much holding going on. I mean, Benteke was fouled at least twice in the area with ridiculous holding. You know, arms around his waist, arms around his neck. It's very, very cynical. Um, and I think it ended up being their weakness. I think, you know, you'd, you'd want a team... Is able to focus on playing a bit of football because if you do, they play that game out very, very easily. But they got involved in the physical side, and um, yeah. and we punished them. Yeah. So do you, there was a couple on Benteke um, in each half. For me, the one in the second half is definitely a penalty. The guy's not even looking at the ball. Who's he just sort of does an American football block on him, really. Yeah. Um, the one in the first half, I, I think they've both got a bit of each other there. Um, what did you think of the handball from the free kick? Uh, that's tough, isn't it? Because clearly Luca's going for a gap there, and if I think it just it comes off, I can't remember who it is the sort, of, but the player to the left of the ball first, and then it hits the arm. Uh, yeah. Is it Richarlison again? Is it? Is it Deeney? Maybe I don't know. Maybe I can't quite remember. But the arm that's sort of in that gap, if you like, it, that it hits that second seconds from you know, from a deflection. So I don't think the ref can give it, but uh, frustrating. But his arm probably shouldn't be out there, should it? Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you could argue he's, that's how a wall links, but should a wall be linking like that? I don't know. It's, it's, I'm, I'm not really sure. In, back in my day, you had your covering your crown jewels. That's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to protect them. Yeah. Deeney's obviously Watford big bollocks. He don't need to protect these. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> um, and while we're on refereeing decisions, I don't think there can be any complaint for the sending off, can there? Uh, no, it, do you know what I did? If it was a Palace player, I'd have, I'd have said harsh, um, mm. but that's because of bias. If you look at the the two incidents where he's got booked, they are both yellow cards. Um, I think the one thing that makes me think that he's been he's been slightly harshly treated is if he'd fouled Sacco mm. as Sacco was getting away, um, then I, I would have said yeah, clear. But he doesn't because Sacco sort of trips over the ball and <laughs> knocks it backwards. Um, <laughs> So you can actually completely forgive him for, for trying to make that challenge because for quite a, you know, for a split second, it's a 50-50 challenge, isn't it? And it's mm-hmm. only it's only that it takes him a while to sort of get the challenge in that they, it looks as bad as it looks. But basically, he's lost a bit of control of his, his momentum there and you're always running that risk, aren't you? So I don't think they can have too many complaints. No, and it was, um, it was one of the substitutions who got the first yellow card out of him. Um, I thought MacArthur's directness when he came on really helps change the game. He kind of a lot of people talking about how good Zaha was in that last ten fifteen minutes, but I thought MacArthur came on and really took the game by the scruff of the neck. How yeah, he, he was so so up for it, wasn't he? You could see he, as soon as he ran off the bench, he's screaming, "Come on, come on!" Like fist clenched, shouting at everyone. And as you say, straight out of the blocks, he's just rushed cleverly and, put, and forced him into that foul. And yeah, the energy was exactly what we needed at that side, that 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 time, you know. And Hodgson was trying to sort of play it down a little bit because obviously, you know, the, the two subs scored, but it was an important sub because Kabai was was you know 
lacking a bit of energy at that moment. We really needed some sort of impetus, something to change it, because otherwise we weren't getting back in that game. No chance. And uh, yeah. it, was, it was great to see MacArthur do that, because, you know, he, he often... It's not often he, he puts a foot wrong for Palace. No, uh, do you think... Um at this stage in his career, two games in a few days is a bit much for Kabaya because I thought he was definitely struggling come the time. Like he, he could have probably come on 10 minutes earlier, I thought. Yeah, it's possible, isn't it? You know, he's, I think the entire time he's been at Palace, it's been a bit of a question mark over his fitness. Uh, and I think he really suffered under Pardew for that. I think, but I seem to recall, and I don't know, again, this, I might be betraying some confidences here because I don't know if I heard it you know, from, from someone who was telling me something secret or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> but uh, I, I believe when Allardyce took over, he said that um, the Kabai could, could could play more than an hour. Um, yeah. And then, and then thought similar of MacArthur at the time as well. I think MacArthur's fitness had, had suffered, so he sort of didn't know really what to do with either. But um, but no, Kabai's fitness has improved, but it yeah, certainly I think, has, I think yeah. two games in a week, I think you're probably right. He's certainly... I think from the second half of the second game, you can always consider him coming off and uh, getting a fresher player on. Indeed. Um, and then obviously the, the two goals came. Um, did you, as soon as the sending off happened, did you feel a switch in the crowd? Because there was just something in the atmosphere for me that just, I thought it was terrible for most of the game. It's very quiet. There's loads of videos going around now about how loud it was and was showing how loud it was. And it obviously was after we took the lead. Um, but there was just something in the cl- crowd that just sort of clicked over as soon as that sending off went and everyone believed. Were you were you in that faction? No. <laughs> and I don't know why it was. I agree with you that there was. But um, there wasn't enough about... It's not been enough... It's, you know, Palace aren't often a team that takes advantage of the opposition going down to 10 men. Mm. We have done it at certain times. I can remember the, the 5-0 against Burnley under Warnock. Was it 5-0 or 5-1? I can't remember. But we right. scored 5-5 five, five against Burnley. And that's that's the only time I can really remember us taking proper advantage. Uh, but you know, when you look at the clock and it's what eighty-seven minutes, something like that, mm. uh, when the sending off happens, or well, maybe I'm yeah. talking rubbish. I yeah, think it was eight seven's right. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I, I I was I was already too depressed to be honest with you by that point because I just couldn't see anything changing. But you're right, there was a little bit of a buzz in the crowd. But again, it's you know, you've got to give the team credit as well because you know they they had to find that motivation. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like the crowd fed them. It was. I think they, the, the crowd kind of sensed that it gave the team a little lift. Um, and when you start, when you start talking about the poor atmosphere up until that point, I think we are there at the moment. We are. We are at a point where, you know, a percentage of the crowd will try and lift the players no matter what. But the majority need something on the pitch first before you start. We start hitting the heights that we used to, and you know, obviously, it's great when we do. Yeah, and I think it was. Um... Dan deserves a lot of credit for this because for in the last in the last ten minutes, especially every time he got the ball, he looked Sir Wilfred Zaha, and it was um, the first time he did it. Uh, it was when he cut inside and shot, and Sacco followed it up. Um, <laughs> the, the view I the view I have from Blockbeard at Homestyle, um <laughs> that first miss was pretty shocking, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, you know what? It's such a Sacco goal, isn't it? Because you know, and that's not to say he scores like that all the time. It's just, it's just, it just sums Sacco up. You know, even when he does a good piece of skill, generally speaking, he fools himself as well. But I, I just, I loved it. It was, a, it, but he, he's called it a good save from the keeper. I think you've really got to 
as much as it's an instinctive strike in those circumstances, you've got to tuck those away. But we got that little bit of luck, and you know, he even falls over in the celebration with no one around him. And it's, um, but I loved it. I, I, you know, I loved the fact that he, you know, that he got that goal, and because he actually made a difference when he came on as well. We talked about MacArthur and the difference that he made, but you know, Sacco actually he went up alongside Benteke, and he and he, you know, played with his back to goal a little bit as 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 well as drifting out to the wings and trying to get himself involved in play. You know, when he went up alongside Benteke a couple of times, we had long balls up to him. He was chesting them down, holding defenders off, and trying to bring others into play. And, you know, the effort was there as well. And, and I think we could have criticised Sacco in the past for not quite showing that determination when he comes off the bench. But it was a very different, uh, you know, look look at Sacco off the bench this time. And, and we needed it. And it was, I'd just say, the whole thing came together brilliantly. As you say, Dan's had a lot of criticism from us on this show, I think. Um, but credit where it's due. You know, we, it's often, we do talk about the fact that he's a good player with a ball at his feet. And, you know, it's two good passes to Wilf. And as you say, he's he's got the... The, menta- the mentality to actually look for our best player to try and hurt Watford at that point in time. And it was, it all came together brilliantly. Yeah. Um, Hodgson spoke about today in his uh, pre Leicester uh, presser talking about how they've worked on what they want Sacco to do. So it was, um, you could see his play with back to goal has obviously been worked on and, you know, following the ball in to get the tap in. That's a goal scorer's instinct, you know, and obviously he's not, he's not a striker. So it's, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in the Leicester preview whether we think he's done enough to get some sort of more playing time in there. Um, and then finally, let's just end on, you can wax lyrical about Zaha for the, um, the, the winner, which is, I mean, it's outrageous that he doesn't get credited with an assist for that goal. Well, he does in fantasy football, which is good enough for me. But um, <laughs> it was, it, to, to get to where he did, where he picked the ball up was pretty impressive, right? Yeah, and, and not to forget, this is an injury time, right? To have, to have his, his dancing feet going like that in injury time, to still be that strong, to still be that committed, and also, you know, to do the right thing. Okay, he gets a little nick off it when he when he pulls it back and puts it into MacArthur's path, but it's the right choice. And everyone talks about end product, but he often does make the right choice in those positions uh, more often than he used to. And it's a it's a very difficult thing to do because it's you know he's running at full pace to get past people. But for me, you know, but look, I've, I've seen the highlights back and. People are criticising the defending there. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> you know, you can't. When Wilf's like that, there's no one that can stop him, and he deserves more attention and more credit. And, I, you know, part of me is glad that he doesn't get it, but the other part of me is so frustrated when they see people rubbishing him and, and not understanding what a talent he is, because he is one of the best players in the Premier League. But, you know, that, that people will think that's ridiculous outside of Palace. But it's, it's the God's honest truth. He's fantastic. And, um, you know, it's a privilege to see that. Uh, but it does bring into focus this this concern that we've all had over the last, sort of even though we're in, we're in good form, of not getting him on the ball enough. And I think when you look at Watford in the first half, one of the things they did other than putting us under pressure was they had two or three people on Wilf all the time. Mm. so what we, we've got to look at that and, and you know what there's obviously two things that you can do there's there's you, you try and occupy more what for players so they can't do that or you take advantage of that space and we're very very poor at doing either so <laughs> you know that's what i want to see us improve on but wilf is just he's just the best isn't he 
he certainly is um right i think that's enough of glorifying over that um but thank you to will for for all these efforts in the end and especially running over to the watford fans and cupping his ears that was absolutely brilliant (laughs) (laughs) right short jingle and then we'll be back with a preview for the leicester game and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast Crowdfunded by Palace fans For Palace fans Right, yes, so here we go Leicester away um, pick, some, pick some right at a, the best time to play them, obviously What, they won four in a row now? <laughs> um, so, let's touch on them a little bit Before we go into anything We don't have a Leicester fan this week Because of the Watford review So, Riyad Mahrez has all of a sudden rediscovered his film. Um, is, there, is there something happening in a few weeks? that um, sort of... <laughs> Are you referring to some sort of a window-based event? Yeah, I was like, yeah, something like that, yeah. I mean, it's, if that is the case, and there's a, I think there's a pretty good chance there is, it's pretty outrageous, but it doesn't bode too well for us, does it? Because he looks like he can't miss at the moment. <laughs> I thought, well, from what I, I can tell, they've sort of switched him to a, a more central position, but sort of a free role, if you like, rather than playing him orthodox on one of the sides. Usually they stick him out on the, the right to cut in, is it, I think? But um, I haven't seen too much of Leicester this season, to be quite honest with you. But I did look at their uh, the last couple of games in a bit of detail today. And um, I, he just... The finish, um, you know, the two long-range efforts he's got in, out of the last two games... There's nothing you can do about that at all. There's, you know, it's not. There's not even anyone who's particularly slow to close him down. It's just ability and and taking advantage of space and knowing where to be. And it's just so decisive. You know, when you see a player with that talent, you, you know he's already got that picture in his head of what he's going to do, and it just plays out, which means he's playing on instinct, and that's a real danger. So, got to agree with you there, Terence. It's a bad time to be playing him with him in that form. So, um, Tom, what what would you do? Do you just put Luca on him to just kick him for the whole game? Well, I mean, yeah, you, I suppose you could do that. Apart from, I think Luca's suspended, isn't he? Is he not available oh, for this game? Is that right? Correct. Yes. Oh, so, okay. Um, so, in that in that case, do I mean, we... it's waiting for him in the car park or something. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> before the game, yeah. But I mean, just the thing go, is, go for him two footed in the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, um. I mean, I suppose you could do that, Morris. But the problem is they've they've got other weapons in that squad. I mean, if if you look at Leicester's team now versus their team when they, when they won the title, I mean, I know we we're only talking two seasons ago, but there's still quite a lot of players with the experience there. You know, there's some 
good attacking players. You know, Vardy on his day can do a really good job. And they've added the likes of Damari Gray, who Palace fans only too well know just what that guy can do. But ever since, remember that Boxing, uh, not Boxing Day, Easter Monday game, um, back at in the promotion season. So I think they've got some very good attacking players there. So I think, you know, it might be to our detriment if we just try and mark one out the game because they're also pretty good on the counter. They are. Um, how do, are we a team that's going to be exposed by their pace as much, Chris? Because we we have tended to sit a little bit deeper. Yeah, that's it's a good point. I, I was looking at uh, you know the back line that we're we're likely to have to field because obviously we've lost Sacco, but then Sacco's quite susceptible to the to a ball over the top of him. Mm. Um, but then so Scott Dan, <laughs> so um, we don't. I, I don't really know what to make of that. So I think there's still a danger there. But like you say, Roy's got the shape changed a little bit. and has that back four a bit deeper. Um, you know, Fussy Mance has done his hamstring, so we're we're likely to have Martin Kelly at right back. Again, he's not he's not great for pace, but again, if he drops deep and kind of makes himself perhaps a little bit narrower, you've almost got a back, you know, a back, a back three that's sort of dominated on the right hand side. And it's only really that left-hand side we then need to to look at with with Jeff Schlupp. And he's the one with pace. So if you remember when we used to have Pat Suarez, anyone who could run it with any kind of pace, who had to do an awful lot of covering out over the back, I think you're going to have to have Jeffrey Schlupp doing that, doing that same thing. Because as much as we uh, much as we do drop deep, it's, it's not enough. You know, because they, they are so good at it. They, um, and I know that Ndidi's now stepped up and, and into the sort of... the uh, Kante role, isn't he? Yeah. So now, now they're kind of they they are mimicking that side as Tom was sort of suggesting, just uh, suggesting that won the title. There's um, there's a lot to be worried about. I think <laughs> you know, I really do. You, so you think it will be Kelly at right back? You don't think that it will sort of end like it did on Tuesday night with Patrick van Arnholt playing now? No, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I I was surprised that that happened in the first place. To be honest with you. Um, well, I think it happened by accident, didn't it? Because of the injury to Fossu Mensa. So he brought him on and then, you know, if it, if the injury had happened just before then, then Townsend wouldn't have come off, I'm sure. Yeah, you're probably right there. Um, yeah, I, I can't see him starting Van Arnhout on the right. I think that in itself creates a, a fair few problems in the side um, and sort of affects our balance. I think, you know, Hodgson's been very careful to praise Kelly over the last few weeks. So, and I think, he did a great job coming in at, at centre back, didn't he? Um, mm. You know, and we've we've all spoken about Kelly in the past on this show, and he's had some bad moments and some good moments, I guess. Uh, but you've got to be able to rely on these players. You really have, um, mm. and so and I think we're gonna we're gonna have, well, that's what we'll see. I'm pretty sure of it. Well, and I'm the other option, of course, is. Kelly had such a good game as centre-back that perhaps he comes in there, maybe Tompkins moves out to right-back because he's done well there in the past. But um, it's definitely going to be a big makeshift, isn't it? So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So with Lucas suspended then, Tom, thanks for dropping that bombshell on me. Um, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't mentioned in the pre-match presser at all. Um, p- bad from the press. Do you, know, we, uh, do you know why it was? Just, just to give you a little bit of information. Cause he's only had four in the Premier League. And a lot of people go, well, no, he's not suspended. He's just had the four bookings, but he got a booking in the cup, which obviously as a domestic competition does count. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, so Tom, who, who are you putting in the middle instead of him? <sighs> I don't know, really. I mean, it's probably probably got to go with, with James McArthur, really. Um, sort of sitting there and trying, trying hoping that he can uh, 
putting a putting putting a few tackles. I mean, this is the kind of game where I don't I don't, I don't know. It's, it's you really you really want Luca. This is the thing. You really want someone like him or Emile Jednak who's going to be winning those balls and sort of adding that little extra layer to to as you said a makeshift defence. Um, I mean, maybe this will give an opportunity to finally try and see us play uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek in his you know behind behind the striker and maybe try. I don't know, starting starting a uh, Wilfen uh, Townsend on the on the wings and um, I, who else would you bring in the middle? I, I, I really don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, Jordan I mean, much? Jordan, <laughs> well, uh, let's not get crazy. Well, I mean, I, I haven't even thought about that man since the uh, well, actually, that's not true. Since the main stand announcement, with <laughs> everyone everyone in the crowd wearing the Jordan much shirt. So, um, as, as someone as someone tweeted me, yes, I am convinced it was trolling me. I, I'm absolutely convinced that someone involved in that process did that to annoy me. I wonder if it was like subliminal messaging to try and get him a move. <laughs> Look, everybody's got Jordan Munch kids. <laughs> Sign him. Um, yeah, so if you want someone, if you want some physical dominance in the middle of the park, I mean, James MacArthur puts himself about a bit, but he's not necessarily overly physical. Kabai obviously isn't. So if you sort of put Loftus cheek in there Chris he's he's a bit more physical and he sh- he showed a few times on Tuesday night that he, he can throw himself about so do you do you think you might we might see them three in a sort of deeper three yeah well that's that's pretty much what um Tom's touched on what I think we should do um but I'm convinced that we'll we'll see a 4-4-2 again and it'll just be a straight swap with MacArthur coming in for Luca but I if it was my choice I would I would have that midfield three and I and I, but I wouldn't necessarily say that Loftus cheek pushes up. I would say you have Kabai kind of sitting as a as a sort of a, a deep line playmaker for football manager fans, and uh, and you try and, and you ask MacArthur and um, and Loftus cheek to go box to box, um, and and just be disciplined in their positioning because as much as they won't get so many tackles in, as you say, as a physical presence, Loftus cheek can do a very good job in there if he's given very strict instructions on what he's to do. And that's what it's all about. For me, this is a really key game about organization. We've got to restrict Leicester and frustrate them and, you know, and, and try and hit them. But the, the question is whether or not we can muster anything on the break. And the only way we can do that in my view is by having Townsend and Zaha as wide players and, uh, to do our old fashioned counter-attacking stuff. And it's going to require a lot of, you know, work from Benteke up the top on his own with not seeing an awful lot of possession. So he's, he's going to get frustrated and see very little of the ball, but he's got to work hard up there. But, um, he certainly uh, he has been working hard the last two games. Obviously, the, the penalty detracts a lot away from how well we did play against Bournemouth. And there was definitely the same sort of application in his game, chasing down a bit more. So I think there's obviously been an element of discussion that's happened with him to say, look, you need to put yourself about at the top of the field a bit more for the team. Um, and, of course, if he does that, the more he does that, the more fans he'll win over as well because, you know, Palace fans love a try. We all got behind Calvin Andrew and he was rubbish. But <laughs> at, least, at least he put himself about and run for the team, you know. So um, it's nice to see that switch in him. Um, so, obviously, MacArthur's one goal scorer is probably going to have to come in for this game. Um Sacco's the other one. Um, he's not really let us down from the bench, but do you think that's about his limits, Chris? Because he's championship quality, I have no doubt about that. But, um, you know, some players find purple patches of form and could he be that sort of player? He could, right? You know, and, and I do believe that in, 
if we need, if we need, you know, he's never going to be a starter in our best eleven, right? But our best eleven is not available, and he he remains an option there. We've seen he's, uh, you know, he scored a few couple of goals in the cup this season. Uh, we've seen his, you know, his efforts there. You know, be, be a sort of step above what we used to see him. And you know, it's easy to forget the impact he made when he first joined the club as well. So there's something in there. But for for me, the the strength you got from from Sacco is in getting him in a position to just to have a shot, or to put across him. Um, so you know, if you talk about end product, getting him on his left foot, you're going to get some end product from him. Um, and again, it's it's about how we do that and how we deal with that. Um, but when you're looking at the team we need to put out to to nullify Leicester's strengths, I don't think you can look at Sacco and say he's going to be someone who's going to enable us to do that. I don't think he's, he'll do enough defensively, um, and I don't think he's enough of a handful offensively to occupy enough players, you know, to take any pressure off. So you don't see him buzzing around. I don't, don't see him buzzing around, Tom, as you and I know. When I bet you five pounds, you could never say it about him. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you no, know, that's do you see what I mean by that? He, he doesn't. He doesn't offer that, but what I, I prefer to see him at this stage um, as an option off the bench if we need to get some support to Benteke and, and in and around the midfield in the in the um, in the final third. If we need to do that, he's an option off the bench. But you know, I, I think unless you've got a, a, you know a winger on the left hand side out, I think that's where he should play. You know, as a left winger, uh, but more of, more as a left forward rather than a, a sort of winger is expected to get back and defend as well. I think that's where his strengths are, and I don't see that as a vacancy in our team for him. Okay, that's good. I think we'll end up there. Speaking, um, sorry, I just a quick final oh. point. Really, just talking about um, speaking of the bench. I mean, yeah. we've got a we've got a few injuries, and as they say, you know, with um, the likes of Saka out, and obviously with uh, Luca not being available. Do you think Roy's could take the opportunity to maybe bring in a couple of the youngsters, give them a bit more of a, a look of travelling with the squad and seeing what's going there? I mean, what do you think is going to be filling the spaces on the bench this weekend? I think at this time it's going to be the the typical anyone with a bit of Premier League experience because of the position we're in I think until we're in a position which probably won't be this season where you know we don't have to worry about that end of the table it's gonna it's always going to be the excuse isn't it um I've said in the past you know Spurs have blooded loads of youngsters and thrown them into the team but it's a lot easier to do it at that end of the table than it is ours so I I don't think It'll be this will be the sort of game where that will happen. Um, if we're safe with five games to go, maybe we'll get a little bit more of a mix in there. But I get the impression I don't know. I could I could be wrong, but I get the impression that Roy Hodgson's a sort of manager in the old mould of you know he wants the experience in there. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, let's end it there. Let's go uh, to a jingle and then predictions. I think we'll do. Right, okay, loads and loads and loads of predictions in this week from Twitter. Um, they've obviously been missing us. <laughs> um, although there is one from Nav saying, Uh-oh. Uh, oh, no, you're not, Hambo. Stop this right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so perhaps we shouldn't be doing this. Um, a lot of people tend to be leaning towards a Leicester win. Uh, ben Long's gone for a 3-0 Leicester win. Um Someone's going for a 5-1 Leicester win. Eric Urell. I hope he's joking. <laughs> um, Lynn has said, head says 3-0 Leicester. Heart says 2-2. Chris, uh, that's Jaeger Chris, says 2-0 Leicester. I'm afraid they look back to their best. And 2-1 Leicester. 
can't see us containing them. But Benteke to get our first away goal of the season. Oh, God, I keep forgetting that, that we still haven't scored away from home this season. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Upper tier, Steve's gone 0-0 and Carl Babs has gone 1-1 with Tompkins to get the goal. Um, what's, I don't know what's been going on with the prediction league since I've gone. I've sort, I've sort of forgot to do a couple of mine, but I've, I'm still in third on 10 points. So um, <laughs> not doing too badly. Uh, you've been doing any predicting, Chris? Uh, apparently. <laughs> I, don't, apparently. I don't remember doing it, but I filled in a whole load of results at some point. So... Well, I don't know. I don't know where I am actually. I might be on ten as well. I'm not sure. But um, nice to know everyone's taking it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> as for this one, uh, the team has got pretty much everyone's gone for a draw. Um, a range of draws: Albert, Patrick, Tim, Lucy, all gone draws. Um, but Alex is the only one who's gone for a loss. He's gone for a two-nil loss. Um, what do you reckon, Chris? What's your, what's your prediction? Oh, it's it's such a tough one. It really is. Um, because we're on a, a run of um, um, being unbeaten, I think we we'll, we'll be playing for we'll be playing for a nil nil, hoping to nick it. That's what we'll be doing. Um, but I just think there's enough, we've got so many players out that my my prediction today, no matter what I put in that prediction league table, my prediction today is going to be a two nil defeat. Oh, that's 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 sad. It is, <laughs> and I hope I'm wrong. All right, Tom, what about you? Well, I never feel confident when we go to Leicester. It just feels like one of those grounds that we don't seem to do really well at. Apart from the only one that really sticks in memory from recent years was going there um, after Ducky left. And we pulled a, a surprise victory out there. Um, oh, and then the first season they was up, the, the Joe Ledley knee slide on the on the Burberry pitch. You remember that when they did oh, that's that? Oh, the Was that with, the, was that with um, the choking of uh, MacArthur? That was the that's one. Right. Oh, that was the brilliant. Game. I forgot about that. That was amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I think, well, I, I don't I see a scoring, but I don't see us um, uh, uh, winning this one. So I think it's probably going to be a, a, a late loss, 3-2 uh, free, free to Leicester. Score the two, keep the two goals going again, but uh, unfortunately I don't see a win. Mm, yeah, a lot, again, a lot of people going for the high scoring sort of stuff in the predictions. Um, I don't know. I've, I've gone for a 2-2. Um, I think that's more out of hope than what I actually genuinely will believe will happen. But um, I think I think you can get at them defensively. Uh, they they concede a lot of goals, but obviously they're they're going to score because let's face it, we don't keep many people out, do we? So um, yeah, two 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 is my first one back, and um, we'll see how that gets on. Um, as for the poll on Twitter, the choices were Eagles hunt down foxes, fox snooze. That was like a Fox News pun there for a draw. I don't, I don't even know if it worked. Did it work? No. No. <laughs> no. And then for a loss, I thought for Fox's sake. Does that work? Yep. Better. Better. Well, 65% people went for Fox's sake. Uh, 25% are suggesting that Palace will win and 10% have gone for my amazing Fox News pun. So, um, yeah. Uh, end of predictions there. And then for the first time ever, a live message from the review show so over to you hambo wait what oh live message from the re- oh yeah <laughs> I, I, I was completely ready for that that's what you're talking about mate hi everybody it's chris hamling here from the review show but also the preview show this week uh, <laughs> i hope you've enjoyed the, the the preview show with terence is back but we've tried to offset that with my presence and hopefully that will uh, enable us to at least get a draw we're very lucky um, but if we do lose, obviously do tweet at redbluearmy.co.uk with all the abuse that you can possibly think of because he does deserve it. 
And it, it doesn't hurt you, does it, Terence? Water off a duck's back. Water off a duck's back, always. Exactly. So do check out the, uh, what's it called? The Review Show, that's it. Check that out on Sunday. I mean, you've only been doing it for almost eight years, but never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right, mate. All right. <laughs> doesn't happen if I'm recording the message. You're not there to abuse me when I get it wrong. Um, <laughs> check it out Sunday at 8pm. And also, don't forget, we're doing the Blooming Podman calendar as well. Up to episode 14, I think, or 15. It's been brilliant so far. Uh, but also, obviously, a fair few more days to go. So subscribe on all your relevant pod apps and don't miss a single one of them because they're all great. Yeah, Thanks. so my, my particular highlights of so far on the Advent pods have been, um, I thought Clint Hill was great. Really yeah. enjoyed that. And, and Danny Butterfield as well. Especially he with, was um, fantastic, wasn't he? Simon, jo- Simon Jordan chi- chiming in on Twitter there. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> you can never tell if he's joking or not, can you, though? He's got, yeah, a, weird, he's got a weird humour. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me that's just a bit of... Uh, sort of Butterfield banter wasn't it accusing yeah. Dan, Danny Butterfield of being too stupid to operate a phone so I think he was just yeah. joining in so that's what I'm going to credit Simon for that rather than accusing Danny of telling an outright lie but if you haven't heard that do check out Butterfield's contribution because it was it was great I really enjoyed the comments about Charlton that was my favourite thing yeah they were really good <laughs> well yeah definitely go and check that one out there and um so yeah, we've got you know what, another nine to go or something like that, ten to yeah. go. So um, we've got we've definitely got some treats coming up, but we won't ruin them. We'll let um, <laughs> not 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 Albert Santa tell you well, it is. Not the well, whoever it is, who is it? Albert? Is it mysterious, know, is it? mysterious yeah. person? I've no idea. I thought I think it's Santa, isn't it? It's him. It's the actual Santa. Oh, Welcome to Ho 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 Homestyle Radio Podcast. See, it could be me. It could be you. <laughs> What we just did, what we did discuss this the other day, didn't we? Where it actually sounds like me doing it. Someone has done an impression of me doing an impression of Santa. Yeah. It's really <laughs> odd. It's very odd to hear it back myself as well, knowing it isn't me, but thinking that sounds like I would sound if I was doing an impression of Santa. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, so that's all for this podcast. Um, it's been great to be back, and thanks for joining me, guys. And uh, Tom, especially thanks to you for joining in and producing as well. Let's see what the final product's like before we get too <laughs> yeah. uh, Okay, so what I'll say is, so thank you, Tom, man of many talents. And I would thank Tom, but he fucked it all up. Delete is appropriate, mate, and then we'll see how it goes from there. <laughs> and, and thanks, Chris, for um, joining in as well. And, um, yeah, look forward to the review show on Sunday where we won't be talking about a loss, right? That's one, fair. <laughs> Until the next time, up the palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.